What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. So today on the HR Impact Show, we're going to be talking about building an elite team remotely way before COVID even happened and how that team is currently working 20 out of 24 hours in a day. My name is CT. I'm co-founder of Engage Rocket. Today, I have the pleasure of having Shayna Sweeney. She's the Chief People Officer at Sugar CRM, and it's a real pleasure to have you on the show, Shayna. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. For those of the listeners who may not be aware, could you share a little bit more about what Sugar CRM does? Yeah, absolutely. So at Sugar CRM, we sell customer experience software. We sell an entire platform of software that helps salespeople sell, marketers market, and customer service people give their customers exemplary experiences. Cool. And Share a little bit more about your role as chief people officer. Like, How's your HR team structured? What the people ops department is responsible for? Our team is very small. So first of all, we have about 500 employees located in 13 countries around the globe. Unlike a lot of employers our size, we do provide direct HR services and employ people directly in those countries. So I have an HR team of three people. And we're scattered around the globe with different expertise for different regional areas. We try to make customers for life. And so we try to make employees for life on the HR side. We support employees, everything from hiring, recruitment, onboarding, all through their employee life cycle and employee journey and everything that comes with it. You guys are supporting employees across 13 different countries. You mentioned basically out of the full day of 24 hours. 20 of those hours has somebody somewhere in the world that's working. Sugar CRM transitioned from partially remote hybrid into fully remote as early as almost eight years ago when you were with the company. What was the evolution like over time? So I've been with Sugar for about eight years. When I first started, we had a couple larger offices in some locations. We had two in the U.S. and one in Germany and I think a really small Australia office, but we also had about 20 to 30% of our employees were home-based employees at that time. We were hybrid before hybrid was a word. We just didn't have a word for it then. So we dealt with a lot of the issues that people are dealing with now. And then even with our office base, everyone had flexible working time and hours. No one was really in the office five days a week. There's probably a few people that were because they chose to be. But we had all of engineering worked from home on Thursdays and different teams were in and out at different times. We had a lot of the challenges that I see people facing today as they're bringing people back to work. People didn't want to come in unless there was a reason to come in. So the more we had food or celebrations or big meeting, that always brought people in. Those days we didn't have those things, there was significantly less people in. We had a lot of challenges with meetings because in the hybrid world with meetings, you have some people in a room 
You have some people at home. We had meeting rules on the wall for dealing with that, where we'd appoint one person as the meeting coordinator, where anyone that was at home could ping them and say, I need to say this point, but I can't get a word in edgewise. And that person would be responsible for stopping the conversation in the room. So to say, this person on the phone has something they want to say. So we struggled a lot with that. We saw over time that the people who were in the office less tended to get less promotional opportunities than the people who were in the office more. And so all of that was going on. And then as time progressed, our big hub was in Silicon Valley and it was getting harder and more and more expensive to recruit here. Anytime we'd find someone, Google, Facebook, Netflix would just come in on top with a, we can beat that offer and we'd lose the candidate. We started thinking, hey, we already have all of these people working from home and it seems to work well. Why don't we just start expanding recruiting anywhere so that we can get a better talent pool? We think we can make this work from all of the things that we've learned along the way. So we started recruiting all over the globe. Our employee population started growing globally. We had people everywhere. I think when COVID hit, we were about 50-50 home-based versus office-based. And so we were in a frankly, in a great place to transition really easily to home-based work because we already had everything in place to support the home-based employees. What we did when COVID first hit is we had our home-based employees talk to our non-home-based employees and say, hey, how do you make this work? What works for you? Let's take the best practices. So a bunch of people worked on best practices and then they did a presentation to the rest of the company about here's how you stay sane while working from home. Here's how you avoid burnout. Here's how you build effective boundaries. And then during COVID, our leases were coming up for a lot of our real estate. We were like, you know what? We think we can make this remote thing work. And so we let all of our leases go and we committed to being basically a home-based workforce. What made you guys move towards a hybrid type arrangement from the get-go? Was that from practicalities of having a distributed team or was it more for talent attraction, which did become a greater feature later on. Yeah, it initially started because we had customers all around the globe and we needed to support the customers. We needed people in different time zones because it was a lot easier to staff for that than having people work like a midnight to 4 a.m. shift. And so the impetus of it was really to service the customers and have people in region working normal business hours where our customers were. So that's really what started it all. At the same time, you mentioned also the engineers were not really coming in full time. So was that for practical reasons, just to give them more focus time to do their work? Yeah, it was to give them more focus time because we found that, at least on the engineering side, it's a lot easier to code when you're not having distractions during the day, when you can have like a meeting-free day and you can just absolutely have that deep work and that deep focus. We saw better products coming out, better quality, happier engineers because they weren't getting pulled into different directions. So we had started migrating that way so that they could have that deep work focus. And so you talked also about meetings, particularly with hybrid meetings, which I think are really interesting and in having a meeting coordinator to almost represent those that are dialing in from afar. I think the meetings were probably the hardest with some people in the room and some people in Zoom. That was one of our biggest struggles with hybrid, and it definitely hampered productivity. 
We saw productivity and collaboration increase when everyone was on their own Zoom meeting and working remotely. But that hybrid, like half in office, half not in office, it was definitely a challenge on the meeting side because people couldn't get their point across. When you're trying to collaborate and share ideas, it can be really hard if you can't even get a word into the meeting. While we tried to have the meeting coordinators, it didn't always happen, or sometimes the person was not great at it and would get so caught up in the meeting, they'd forget to look at their computer to see that people were pinging them about stuff. That was really one of the bigger challenges that we had was dealing with that hybrid collaboration. And that was one of the things that helped drive us to the, the full remote. So either having everyone in the room or nobody in the room and everyone's uh, remote. So it sounds like that was an unsolved issue, pretty much. It's very pertinent today because so many companies are still trying to make that work. The second question I wanted to ask about was you mentioned promotion opportunities for people who are remote. Now, that is something that a lot of companies are still facing today. There are two approaches to it. There's the stick approach, which is if you don't come back to the office, you're not going to get promoted. And there's the softer approach, which is come back to the office. And then over time, you get exposed to mentorship or whatever it is, and it helps you to advance your career. How did you guys solve that, if at all? While we were hybrid, we frankly didn't solve it, but we had started looking at the data and I'd strongly encourage other employees to look at the data that are hybrid to see if there's any difference in promotion rate between in-office, heavy in-office people versus people that are in-office less, because we did see a difference in the promotion rate and it didn't feel fair. Once we had discovered the issue, we raised it and raised awareness and we ran some internal programs to try to help people who are home-based manage their own career and speak up more and have a little more engagement and have those conversations with their managers. But it was a really difficult challenge to solve because if you're in front of people, you tend to be recognized more and memories are short and people really like to focus. There's the immediacy effect in performance reviews where People only think of what just happened recently, and that was happening with promotions. I would say one of the things we've done now to help try to solve that is we have an internal job board, and all internal jobs have to be posted and shared publicly so everyone knows what's coming up, what's available. We don't allow people to promote people without posting the job internally. There may be someone that the managers overlooked or missed or is from a different department and they don't even know the person. That's, we've tried to deal with that. When we look at just managing a team that's fully remote, how do you onboard them effectively? Wow, it's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. We start at the pre-boarding stage because we have people in different regions. They may have notice periods where they may not start for three months after they've accepted a job or two months. And so we send a little gift after the person signed, but before they've started thanking them for choosing us. And when an employee starts, we do the basic onboarding where fill out your paperwork. Here's an intro to the company. Here's your IT equipment. Great. 
we have an onboarding program that we run where each member of the executive team meet with a class of new hires. So we group new hires in monthly bases each month. And each executive goes through, we meet with the new hires. We talk a little bit about, here's our department. Here's what we do. Here's how you work with us. Here's what our values are. So that they're integrated a little bit more into the company. They know how we work. They have that visibility into how things work across the company and how the departments work together. And we end it in an Ask Me Anything session with our CEO where people have the chance to just sit down with the CEO and chat and ask any questions that they might have from everything that they've learned. We run this continually. And so as to not overburden our executives, because at first we were like, oh, they're never going to sign up for this. They're really busy people. We got their buy-in. We paired up some of the executives that had similar functions. So like sales and marketing are together. and They talk about basically the lead to cash aspect of it. Finance, accounting, and HR are together because we work so closely together. Each executive has one week out of a month where they do their session. That kind of breaks up the time. And it was a lot easier sell for us as HR to go to the executive team to say, we want one hour of your time a month. We get great feedback from it. We have no turnover in the first year. It's 0%. People just don't leave in the first year. That's been pretty consistent. We also do a check-in at 90 days to see how employees are doing. We have just a short survey and there's one question on the survey. Is the job meeting the expectations that you thought when you started? If people say no on that question, they're more likely to leave. If anyone says no, we do an intervention with the manager to say, hey, this employee isn't getting what they need. We need to make sure that we're supporting them. So the manager will sit down with the employee and check in. We found that helps as well. We have a lot of chat channels on any known topic to man that people are interested in, where you can connect with people outside of your department. If you're an animal lover, there's a channel. If you like video games, there's a channel. There's even a channel for roller derby. You name it. And so that gives people also a chance to have some connection with people outside of their department. Managers have a template when they onboard someone. They plan out their first week and set up meetings for their new hire so their new hire can meet everyone on the team. Also have time to do some compliance training, which is less exciting part of onboarding. There's a lot that goes on with making people feel welcome. We also send them a gift after they've started of company swags and we don't have a physical office so they could have some physical representation of the company. So one thing that strikes me about what you've just described, Shana, is how structured the whole process is. And it's very well managed for a team of 500 with only three in HR. That's remarkable that you're able to do that. How do you keep track of all of this? All the different activities for the new hires, all the scheduling that's going on, the gifts that you've got to send out. HR system, we have built-in task lists that assign the different tasks to the different people on the team. It makes it pretty easy to keep track of. And then we also have some separate checklist. We have a lot of processes, but we have checklists so that we don't forget steps. You tie their responses on the 90-day survey to their likelihood to leave. Obviously, this works because you're seeing zero first-year attrition, which is incredible. I love the data-driven approach to this. How did you make that connection? I'm a data nerd, and I will run regressions on just about any data I can find to see if there's any type of correlation, because I think it's interesting. 
So we had started the survey and I was looking at turnover data and I was like, oh, a few of these people, this was years ago, were leaving in the first year. Huh, wonder what they said on the survey. So then I just started running regressions on the questions and then where the people were at. And it really popped out. Wow. Probably the highest correlation I've ever found in anything HR related. Do you remember exactly the, how that question was phrased? Oh, it's simple. It's, do you feel the company is meeting your expectations? And it's a yes, no question? Like that simple? It's yes, no, and undecided. Yes, no, undecided. Wow. Anytime anyone answered no or undecided, 100% of the time, they did not stay at the company for longer than a year. You have mapped out the whole employee life cycle for someone at Sugar CRM. Lots of people ops departments say they do life cycle management, but they don't even have that life cycle kind of mapped out anywhere. Now, but you have. So tell us a little bit more about that process. How do you go about identifying different aspects of that journey, especially when you're not even seeing half the employee population or even more in person ever? We as a company, we sell customer experience. So the employee experience is very similar to the customer experience. A lot of times in the customer experience world, you do customer journey mapping. And so it was not a huge leap for us to do employee journey mapping. We were all remote, so we just got in a room and found some free whiteboard software and started mapping out, like from the beginning to the end, you could drag and drop stuff. We just started thinking about, okay, what are those moments that matter? What are those key things? Wrote them down. And we decided we'd do focus groups with employees because what if we were wrong? What if our version of what those moments were was incorrect and we were making assumptions? We did some focus groups with employees. We just picked a cross-section of employees from around the globe, from different levels, different departments, different countries. We got them into a room and we just started asking them, what are those moments that have mattered in your time at Sugar? What has made a difference to you? And they just told us, because you don't have to do this super fancy program. If you ask people, they just will tell you. We had some for sure that were missing that we hadn't thought about that were moments to people. Like we had the promotion, but apparently the first promotion into management was really key to a lot of people. And that was a moment that really mattered to a lot of people. Then there were things where people had life events outside of work. We would send people stuff periodically. That was also a moment that mattered to people that they cared a lot about. We took all of that in one go and then we started going, all right. What can we do as HR to support? Also, what do the managers need to support people in these different aspects? It's always going to be ongoing because the employee journey changes as things change in the company. It needs to be dynamic. We would go through and be like, oh, someone's going out on leave. It would be really good if we gave managers a little guide to here's what to do when your employee is coming back from leave to help guide them through it and so that they could help lead with empathy when someone comes back or we redid our, our onboarding based on some of the information that we heard from employees where they had told us that would be good if we heard this or we had this program five years ago. It would be good if we could bring that back. And so we really mapped it out and tried to think of different things we could do at different times to help support employees. Sometimes it was the first time manager here's some training so that you know what to do in certain cases. Here's a group that we have 
in our chat channels where you can ask other managers if you need help and get mentorship if needed. So lots of different things. Similarly, when people leave, we always try to have people leave with a positive feeling about the company so that if they want to come back, they'll come back. Or if their new job isn't what they think it is and they reach back out to us, we can hire them back. We do have a lot of people that come back to the company after leaving. At a very high level, could you describe what you found that the employee journey at Sugar looks like today? Yeah, obviously it starts with pre-boarding and then it moves on to onboarding. And then the first 90 days is a pretty strong marker that we found was the make it or break it time. If people felt like they had chosen the right place and felt like they belonged. We also found the year mark was a big piece where people wanted to know how they were doing. Was there any career progression? We also saw in our turnover data that at about the three-year mark, people needed to have some sort of career growth. We identified that as a place of making sure that people had a development plan in place or that there was some career conversations, whether it was getting additional skills in another functional area, because career growth doesn't always mean moving up in the chain, it can be getting additional skills to deepen your knowledge. And then we have all sorts of life events. There was marriage, there was birth, there was death. Those were moments that were in there that impacted people's lives and their work where we did certain things to support that. People get married, we send them a gift, which I know common in a lot of non-U.S. countries, but not as common in U.S. employers. When people have babies, we send them baby blankets and a little teddy bear. As people get promoted, that's a stage in the employee life cycle. As people leave, there's lots of different flavors of why people leave, whether it's voluntary, involuntary, whether it's retirement. We have different things in place for each of those different types of people leaving. When things aren't going quite right, sometimes people have performance issues. Managers don't know how to coach them. So there's little pieces in there as well. We're coming up at time. If you could share one tip to other chief people officers who are thinking about how to manage the employee lifecycle, especially when they are facing a remote or a hybrid type workforce. So just get a whiteboard, whether it's physical or virtual, and start writing stuff down. It doesn't have to be complex. And then cross-check it with your employees and get a little focus group. We just did three focus groups with about 10 people each. It doesn't have to be a massive cross-section. You don't have to ask everyone. You don't have to do a formal survey. You can have three questions for your focus group and chat with people, but have someone be the note taker so that you're getting the quality feedback. You can ask, what are those moments that matter to you in your employee journey here? Why do you stay here? And they'll tell you all the great things they love about your company, which is lovely and uplifting. You can always take that and translate some of that into your recruitment marketing material as well. And then you can ask them what you can do better. It can just be simple. You'll get raw feedback that you can then take, fold into your employee journey map, sit down and think about the things that you can do at those different moments that matter, and then take some people from around the company and ask them their opinion on it. Would you like this? Would you not like this? One of my best recommendations that I can give is in HR, we always have a group of people that are very vocal about anything. Use those people to get feedback on your programs because they will give you the most 
unbiased, open feedback of anyone in the organization. So take what you're proposing and then go to those somewhat difficult vocal people and ask them for their feedback, you'll get the best feedback you could possibly imagine. And they feel like they're being listened to and included. So it's a win all around. That's wonderful. Thanks so much for sharing all of that. If people wanted to reach out to you to find out more or to ask you any questions about this topic, what's the best way for them to find you? They can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Shana Sweeney. Thank you so much for hanging with us today, Shana. I really appreciate it. And for those of you listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you found value in this, feel free to head over to www.engagerocket.co slash hrimpact and join our community. You get more podcasts like this one hitting your favorite podcast player every single week. So thanks so much for listening. My name's been CT. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.